Welcome to this week's Green Side Up. This is Richard Henschel with the University of Illinois Extension Service, and August brings lots of questions and queries into the Extension offices over the phone and by email related to what's coming out of the garden at this time of year. Uh, with all the rain and the heat we've had, uh, the vine crops have really um, produced an awful lot of foliage and hopefully a lot of male and female flowers, and with that comes pollination. And later on, you're going to be getting lots and lots of fruits. Hopefully, they're the cucumbers you thought you were planting. They're the summer squashes, yellow, straight-necked, zucchinis that you planted. Um, You may have worked on getting things for for the fall season, so you might have gourds or pumpkins out there. But one of the things that can happen is, especially if we've uh, were if we were given seeds in the spring of the year and said, "Here's here's cucumber seeds, here's squash seeds, here's watermelon seeds, here's pumpkin seeds, whatever it might have been um, that I saved just for you," uh, and you went ahead and put them in the ground. Uh, now that things are beginning to really crank and, and produce fruits. Uh, what you may see may not have been, may not be those cucumbers, squash, watermelon, or pumpkins, but something entirely different. Oftentimes you get a tremendous amount of vine growth, and finally some flowers show up, and then what you get is anything but what you expected. And that's some of those, some of that weird produce that's been coming from the garden. And what's happening here is, uh, when we have in the year previous, for example, in 2015, planted uh, a hybrid vegetable variety of anything, in this case I've been using vine crops as the example, uh, the characteristics that we expect the fruit to be are in the female flower in 2015. So you get your cucumber, you get your squash, you get your pumpkin. But during the cross-pollination that occurs, uh, which is part of what goes on in the garden, and remember vine crops have both male-only and female-only flowers, and normally what happens is that the the male flower comes out first so that there's plenty of pollen available once the female flower shows up farther out on the vine. Uh, But during this whole process, during the growing season, there are other vine crops growing in your yard, perhaps, or in the neighbor's yard. And all it takes is a bee to be visiting something else before it visits your cucumber seeds in, uh, say, last year in 2015. The result is you got the cucumber you were looking for last year or your neighbor did, but those seeds do not contain the same DNA. They do not contain the same genetics that uh, were there in the seed in 2015. So what you get is, yep, you get something that looks like cucumber foliage or something that looks like gourd or pumpkin foliage or watermelon foliage. And once those fruits come out, and remember that the fruit that you get is based upon the genetics that's inside the that's in that female flower that year, it gets pollinated again by some male source of pollen, be it cucumber, squash, watermelon, whatever that might be. And the resulting fruit you get is, again, anything but the cucumber you thought you might be getting. So that's what's going on here. Um, so anytime you save any hybrid seed for the following year, very likely you are not going to get um, a repeat of that variety the following year. Um, one of the differences would be if you have been growing and saving heirloom seeds, they do come relatively true to true to type 
because that's all in their their DNA and they're open pollinated. If you start growing heirloom varieties next to hybrids, over a period of years, you will see a lot of that hybrid genetics ending up in your heirloom variety because it's open pollinated. The, the bees visit um, and that cross happens. So if you want to have true to type heirlooms, Make sure they're grown in an area that is a, has a distance away from any of your uh, hybrid types that you might be growing. And that distance is going to vary, but just let me say that bees fly a great, a great while. So uh, that's relatively, uh, re- relatively hard to do. Um, one of the other questions that have, been, that have been coming into the offices have been uh, questions on sweet corn. Uh, and this just ties right back to genetics again, but oftentimes, uh, especially out in a more rural area, you will plant your sweet corn. There's a field of, uh, there's a crop of field corn growing nearby, and you harvest your sweet corn, and it isn't necessarily sweet. Or some of the kernels are sweet, and some of the kernels are not. Well, this is a the exception to the rule when it comes to cross-pollination impacting the flavor or the quality of the fruit we are going to consume and harvest on the cucumbers, on the squashes, um, on our, on our uh, tomatoes. Again, that, that isn't the problem because it's the female flower that gives it the characteristics. But in, in the sweet corn plant, we are actually eating the seed itself. We're not, there's no other fruit to consume. So, that cross-pollination absolutely impacts the, the texture and sweetness or taste of the sweet corn we've planted this year. So this is kind of the exception to the rule of thumb here on this. So if you've got had sweet corn out there and it has been pollinated by the wind, not by insects, but by the wind next to a, a, uh, a commercial field corn setting, uh, your sweet corn then is not likely going to be uh, tasting much like sweet corn, or not all of it anyway. So the remedy to that is make sure you plant your sweet corn a good distance, again, on say on the other side of your yard, on the other side of the house, in a spot less likely that the wind will blow pollen from the field corn onto your sweet corn silks. So that's the way to avoid the problem with that. Um, some of the other questions always come in, and we all do this. I've done it. Uh, we find a volunteer growing out of the side of the compost pile, or or we've taken that compost and use it, used it in other perennial beds, and, and then we see the volunteer plant. The question always is, do I leave it or do I take it out? And it gets back to that same problem. Typically, what you try to grow uh, is going to have lots of foliage, lots of vine, lots of plant, very, very questionable fruit if it ever shows up. And it usually is going to show up relatively late in the season. So a better use of that volunteer plant after you've experimented with it for a few weeks and before it takes over uh, your other vegetables or the perennial or annual bed that you did, that it showed up in, a better use of that would be to uh, go ahead, remove it, put it back in the compost pile, and turn it into organic matter to grow good, healthy uh, hybrid vegetables or heirlooms the, the, the following year. Um, 
the other thing that happens from time to time when the weather is just right, uh, we get the calls about my potatoes have tomatoes. Well, tomatoes and potatoes are very closely related. We've bred the potatoes to have that starchy tuber that we eat out of the ground. We've bred our tomato plants to give us the fruits above ground. Uh, But that doesn't prevent uh, a potato plant from time to time to have its flowers uh, wind pollinated. And so we might see a tomato out there as well, or I should say a tomato like fruit growing on the on the your uh, potato as well uh, no harm no foul enjoy it as a scientific experiment if you will and then uh, dig your potatoes as you normally would and uh, you'll be all set well this has been richard henschel with this week's green side up it's always a pleasure i'll be talking with you again next week